Good morning. I hope everybody is awake this morning and ready to go, because obviously there is a teacher up here. Okay? Those of you who don't know, I'm Paul Peary. I'm an associate pastor here. Normally, I'm in with the little people. You hear us yelling a whole lot, hopefully. You know, the, the walls aren't that thick. So, But I know all my people. I think I saw a lot of my people are in here. My people, are you here? You here? Wave your hands. Y'all, yeah, you're never that shy in there. Let me tell you, they, they aren't. Well, because, now, this is just kind of my part-time, my part-time job. Full-time, I'm a teacher. I know it's hard to tell, but full-time, I am a teacher. I work with sixth graders, and I teach history, social studies, whatever they're calling it this week. Um, So, I hate to do this to y'all, and my students hate it even more, but it is time for a pop quiz. Okay, so get yourselves ready. Now, now don't, don't whine at me. Come on, get into this. Pop quiz, quiz arc, and I'm not going to give you the answers till later. Sorry. All right, question number one. How long did it take to build the ark? Now, this is kind of a throwback to my last sermon, if you understood it. Do you remember? Was it A, 120 years, B, 100 years, or C, 50 to 75 years? Now, don't say it out loud. You're giving everybody else the answers. Kind of keep that, kind of keep that inside. And we'll go over this later. Okay? Because you know that somebody around you is probably cheating off your paper. So, you know, try to keep that, that hidden there. Let's go to question number two. How many people built the ark? Was it A, eight people? Was it B, just poor, lonesome Noah? Was it C, his extended family? Or D, construction crews? Hmm. Okay, everybody got that one? You got your answer written down? You got it hidden in in here somewhere? Three. What type of wood is gopher wood? It is A, cypress wood, B, oak wood, C, we don't know wood, or D, wood that was made by magical little gophers. Yeah. There's always a kid that does, you know, in every class. All right. And last but not least, question number four. How did Noah find all the animals? A, he went out to wrangle them. B, they came to him. C, he raided local zoos. Or D, he ordered from Animal Amazon. It could have been a thing. We don't know. All right. Now, as we look at this, I had to bring the props today. I mean, especially since I'm starting school pretty soon. So I have to have lots of props around, not only to hide behind, but it's good for the kids. So let's start with the timeline. Now, you all have seen this before when I did the Tower of Babel. And let me take my cheat sheet with me. So this is the entirety of time. The Earth is, I I hate to break it to you, not millions of years old, okay? It's not even over 10,000 years old. This is the entirety of time from back here at creation, right around, they think, they estimate, right around 4,000 years before Christ. So to get the whole gist of it, so we got creation back there. We have what we crazily call the zero mark up here. This is the time of Christ. 
You think that would be the zero mark, but it, it's a, there's a lot of history there. I don't have time to go into it. But we base it on the time of Christ, even though a lot of the newer people don't want us to, and they use all kinds of other timing, but it all still is based on the life of Christ. So this way we go up, okay, to 4,000, and this way we go up again to us right here in 2020. This should actually be on the other side, but I didn't make it that long. Um, we'll tilt it over. Is that better? because you know somebody's going to give me grief about that, you know, afterwards. Uh, So right there, that's 2023 where we are today. We have all kinds of things to kind of give you the gist. So we already talked about creation. And then we have a pretty big gap where we get to what we're talking about today, Noah's flood, in case you haven't figured that out, okay? Um, And then we have the Tower of Babel, which we talked about before. That was about 2240. A little bit further on, we have the life of Abraham. Okay, he was about 1921. Then we have Moses, 1571. We get all the way up here. Kids, what do you think this has to do with? Anybody? It's somebody in the whale. Yep, there you go, right there. All right, then we have the life of Christ. Lived, died, resurrected. And then this is the church age down here. So to kind of give you a gist of what's going on, this is our timeline. It's going to be important. But before we go any further, let's look at our scripture for today. So open your Bibles with me. If you're using a pew Bible, it's going to be right up front to Genesis 6. Okay, first book of the Bible. Genesis 6, let's start about verse 9. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God, and Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, Japheth. And now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you are to make it. The length of the ark is 300 cubits. Its breadth is 50 cubits and its height is 30 cubits. Make a roof for the ark and finish it to a cubit above and set the door in the ark in its side. Make it with lower, second, and third decks. For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all the flesh in which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die, but I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark, And to keep them alive with you, they shall be male and female, of the birds according to their kinds, and of the animals according to their kinds, and of every creeping thing of the ground according to its kind. Two of every sort shall come in to you and to keep them alive. Also take with you every sort of food that is eaten and store it up. It shall serve as food for you and for them. Noah did this, and he did all that God commanded him. 
So, if you remember before, in the beginning of this chapter, and a little bit before, God had decided he was done. He had had people around for this whole time, right here, from creation all the way up to here, and he was done with the people because they were evil. Now, we know that he kind of set that timer up here. But he didn't tell Noah till probably about 50 to 75 years before the actual time. Why? Because Noah would have had to, when he told him, Noah would have had to have sons. And he didn't at that time. And so we talked about this before. But let's look at the ark. Now, obviously, I got a little bored this week. Please forgive me, it is not exactly to scale, okay? I know you model builders out there, but this is the ark as it has been imagined by the people in Answers in Genesis. You can actually, a few of you have went and seen the life-size one that they have. I would wholly recommend going to do. It is on my list to go see. And so he said, make it 510 feet long, make it 85 feet wide, Make it 50, yeah, 85 feet wide and 51 feet high. Now, to kind of get a scale, because the next thing depends on this. Let's talk about how long it is. Uh, I think there's a slide for this one showing. That's the Google image of our church. See that point way up at the top, right above where it says Central Baptist Church? In theory, that's that wall, I hope. I think so. And if you go out and go out the doors, go across the atrium, go out the doors, around the roundabout thing, I always get stuck in that thing, and keep going down till about the, the curve, you're looking at about the length of the arc-ish. Could you imagine building something that long? I had a hard time doing that without, you know what I mean? And that's made of foam, not of wood. The width is about 85 feet. The poor camera people. Sorry guys, I apologize ahead of time. 85 feet, now I measured it earlier and I probably got it wrong because again, the measuring tools I have are awful. Uh, about that far, all the way to the other side, maybe. I gotta double check that with a, you know, a tape measure. But that looks about right. And the ceiling in here, if I measured it correctly, is about 30 feet high. So add 20 feet to that, and you've got the height. So that big, way that long, and higher than that. Get that in your head. We need to own that. This is not a story, folks. This is the truth. This, unfortunately, when we use the word story, we treat this like it is something that is not real. This was built by a man named Noah. Wrap your mind around that. That is the reality. Because if this is not true, then why are we here? If this is not the absolute truth, then we are wasting our time. We might as well go play golf. And nobody wants to see me do that. That's bad. Trust me. 
All right, so what were these people right here? What were they like? Who were they? What was going on here? Well, first off, they were probably intelligent people. Unfortunately, whenever we talk about people back here, we assume cave kind of person. Walks out, me strong, yeah, me build boat. No! And I know this is going to be hard. It's hard for me. They were probably much more intelligent than us. Okay? And I know that's crazy. <laughs> Spend 10 minutes on TikTok. You'll understand. <laughs> Amen? Okay. So, let's think about this. They had, you know, was a lot of time. Thousand, over a thousand years. Down here is us. Right down here. And in 1804, eh, there, we started making trains. Then, 1879, eh, there. Anybody want to guess who that was? You're right, light bulb. Uh, 1886, a little bit further. Y'all one in one today to come to church, most of you? Cars, yes. 1903, right here. Wright Brothers, Kitty Hawk, first powered plane, which is awesome. Love planes. And 1945, eh, that's somewhere in here. First computer belt, filled an entire room. And I don't even think it could play Tetris. So, you know, is it really a computer if it can't play Tetris? In this amount of time, we went from horse and buggy to putting people on the moon. We went from a, a computer that fills a room to smartwatches on our wrist. In that short of a time. Now, what do you think these people had when they were smarter than us, they lived longer than us, they lived anywhere from three, we have examples from three to 900 years. They lived from three to 900 years. They were smarter than us, and they had more time than us. What do you think their society was like? We have to start to wrap our brains around that, and that's hard. Because it, it kind of goes against every preconceived notion that we have about them. These people had metal. Look in Genesis 4. Kind of keep your finger there. Look back at 4, verse 22. They're kind of going through all the people of the time there. And it says, Zillah also bore Tubal-Cain. He was a forger of all instruments of bronze and what? Iron. Ladies and gentlemen, we in history call this the Bronze Age. Iron isn't rediscovered until here-ish, right around 700 BC. These guys had it way back there. Way back there. So Noah had iron tools to help him build the ark. So what kind of people are these? They're smart people. 
What was their population like? Well, they've done a number of studies. And guys, this is a total guess. This is not what I would, you know what I mean? Biblical fact. But if you assume a growth rate of, say, let's say the year 2000, same growth rate, which is like point, uh, 0.012% growth rate. If you assume a growth rate like that, and don't even include the long life thing, they're thinking about 740 to 750 million people on the earth at that time, barring all other circumstances. If you include even the little bit of their population or their length of their life, even if you increase that by 0.001, you could have over 4 billion people on earth at that time. Now, obviously, we know because God is going to wipe them out in, in, chapter, in verse 11, they were an evil people. So there were probably wars, and the Bible tells us they were violent, evil people. So obviously that number is going to change, and that might have limited population growth. But unfortunately, so many times when we think about this time in history, we think, oh, it was just a small group of people living in a mud hut. No, these people were smart. They were building cities, folks. You don't build cities if you aren't intelligent people. They weren't cavemen. So this is who Noah had to, had to deal with. So let's talk about this building process. So we know that we think that Noah built the ark in about 50 to 75 years. So if we look at this building process, and he was told in verse 14, make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark, cover it inside and out with pitch. And this answers one of our questions. What is gopher wood? I like the magical gopher approach myself, but, you know, that's because I teach 12-year-olds all day. A lot of people try to tell you that it's cypress wood. If you pick cypress wood, sorry, you were wrong. I feel bad really do. This is when my students all look at me and go, you don't feel bad. You don't have a heart. I do literally have a little foam heart sitting on my shelf at school. So I guess I started that one. Cypress wood is a common in the Middle East. There's a problem with that theory. Where Noah started and built the ark probably wasn't the Middle East. Remember the entire earth was what? destroyed. We're going to talk about that in Noah part three, whenever that might be. Sorry, we're not going to get through the whole thing. Um, there was probably, in, we don't know if there was cypress wood. Is it a good guess? Sure, but so is oak or any other tree or wood. We just don't know. We have no idea what gopher wood is. Um, but it must have been strong. And it must have been a very tough wood to work with because of, think about it. He started building probably at one end. 50 years later, he's finishing it up. What's going to happen to the other end? It's going to start rotten unless he covers it with pitch. We're not exactly sure what that substance is, but think of like a tar kind of uh, a material. Now, uh, we already talked about the fact that they had metal tools to help them. Uh, remember when we talked about uh, Tubal? 
and the manpower. This is the one that always gets me the most. We had that question, who built the ark? Well, the Bible tells us, if you look even in the New Testament, uh, Hebrews 11, verse 7, it says, by faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning the answers yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark. Now, does that mean poor old Noah is sitting there for 50 to 75 years all by himself, hammering nails in? I'm sure he was there, but why couldn't Noah have hired some? Why could that have happened? Why could he have not hired construction crews? We think about that. They didn't have to believe that the worldwide destruction was coming. They just had to come and build it. It's interesting, when I was doing my research, I saw a picture that they put up when they were building the massive ark down in Kentucky. (laughs) They show a picture of one of the workers' cars, and it had the thing for atheism on it, the symbol for atheism. Even somebody who was an atheist built that, and they didn't believe. Why could Noah not have been by himself? Why? We know he probably had his family. We probably, he probably had his extended family there. Um, His father died five years prior to the flood, and Methuselah died the year of the flood. His grandfather. I'm sure they helped, but they probably had a lot more help building this. This was not an easy job. I was going to see him some of the thoughts about the construction of the ark. Was it even possible? If you watch Discover Channel or anything on the ark, which I do not recommend, okay? Go somewhere where there's uh, realistic, biblical teaching. And if you need that, let me know, and I will tell you where to go look for that. But they show a picture, and they say, this would basically implode. A building, an ark this size, would not be able to support itself made out of wood. Why? Because they think back then people were dumb. They think that they were uneducated. They think that they did not have the tools or the capabilities to build something that would. It's not that hard. I mean, it is hard, but it's not that hard to imagine with what we know that, yeah, they probably would have done a really good job. The Greeks, uh, 200 BC, built in this region right here. They built a massive, uh, I think it was 450 feet, 420 feet long, massive warship. And I, forget, I can't even say the name. I forget the name of it. But they had techniques that they used. Now, if you look up here, one of my other things here, Got some wood here. Now, obviously, they had better wood that wasn't bought at Home Depot. Um, And so what they would do is they would set up the boat, and they would build the the part that went like this, and I'm totally drawing the name. I think it's spars or something like that. And then they would start to cover it with wood. And this is what the Greeks did. And so a lot of people think that they got that from the people of Noah's time. And so what they would do is they would take a piece of wood and they would put in these type of long dowels. And they would put a, I don't even know what you want to call it, this is a piece of doweling in there. They would put in a long tenon, I'm sorry. And they would drill a hole and they would put this through and this kind of holds it in. Then they would do the same on the other side. Now they've already got one layer of boards on the on the ships. 
And it's thought that they would take these and they would join them together. Let's see if I can do this on stage. Well, it would help if I had it the right way. There we go. Okay, so we're going to join this together. Maybe. Okay, we're not going to do that. <laughs> I tried. Okay, so this would be glued together. You would stick it together. And let's put that down there. Then they would take it and they would layer the wood thing on here. And so they would put it on like this. And so you already had some going this way. And the next one might be going at an angle like this. Or they might have it like this. And so they would layer it. And this was thick wood, not like this. So it was probably very thick wood. And then they would use the, the, the dowels there. And then they would use bigger dowels to join the two halves together. Let's hope at least this works. Okay, we're going to try that. Okay, hey, look at it. It almost worked there. And so this wood would layer on top of that. They would drive those pegs in. What's really cool is as it got wet, what would happen to the wood? It would swell, and it would be solid. Later on, they lost this technology. We think this is probably how they built the ark. Why? Because if you're going to make a ship out of wood, it has to be strong. The Greeks figured this out, or they remembered it, it was passed down to them when they were building their triremes. And they would use those boats to smash other boats. They had to be strong. Um, but you go forward to the time of the pilgrims. You go to the, forward to that Middle Ages. They used to only have one layer of wood, and they would stick a rope in between as the boat got looser and looser. That's why when you hear them say on the old TV shows, it's a tight ship, usually that was a brand new ship. And the wood pieces were very tightly held together. And then as time went on, it would loosen up. And that was bad. And so they would stick stuff in between. Well, they didn't have this problem with this design, they think, because it would have been layered. Do we know this for sure? No. But it does help answer a lot of things about the design of the ship. Now let's talk about style and design. Would something like this have been a good boat? They've done a lot of studies. Why? Because everybody wants to disprove it. So people who are not Christians are studying this because they want to be able to sink the ship, so to speak. So the Hebrew word for ark, we see here is the word teba. It is only used one other time, and it is in reference to a little basket that held Moses. Now, who wrote this book? Moses. So it kind of jives here that he would use this. And it's thought early on there was some pictures that came out that were supposedly of the ark resting on a mountain. And it was basically a long square box. They were fake. I think they were part of the whole Nessie crew. You know what I mean? The missing link or whatever. All that nonsense. But that doesn't float very well. Boxes are terrible. So the word teba is not about the shape. It's about the function. This is a lifeboat. It is what saved Noah and the animals, Noah and his family and the animals. What's interesting is this shape here, they started doing some testing with it. They thought, if I were Noah, how would I design this boat? Now, Noah's old, hundreds and hundreds of years old. He knows a lot. And so when he designed something, 
he's probably designing it well. So they tried to guess how Noah might build this boat. And they just went on the dimensions alone. Not any of the fancy curves and all that rest, just the dimensions alone. Dr. Hung, a South Korean non-Christian, went and studied this and compared it to many other boat designs. And he labeled it as very seaworthy. Because if it had been any shorter, it would have been a very uncomfortable boat. Anybody ever been on a small boat in waves? Not a terribly comfortable place to be. So the longer you make it, the more comfortable the ride is. But you can't make it too long or it will break. Next, for strength. Maximum strength, you would build it really tall. But the problem with that is it be very tippy if you do that. It's not going to float very well. And maximum stability, the width of it. And he looked at all these things, and he found that, guess what? The ark was right in the middle. It had a combination of uh, comfort, stability, and strength. Isn't it interesting when non-Christians figure something out that we're like, man, we knew that. Come on. Um, But it is interesting to hear them talk like that. This is a lot like modern cargo ships that we have today. You see that, don't you? And one of the reasons, because a lot of times when we picture the ark, we picture this little tiny thing with giraffe's head sticking out of the top, right? Yeah, you know it. You know, that's a terrible ark. We shouldn't be teaching our kids that. This was designed for maximum cargo space. We're going to talk about that in a second. One of the things that they, and it's totally a thought process, and we don't have any proof of this, but they thought, well, maybe I wonder if they put these big sails up here of some type. What would Noah have done? This is something I want you to think about. If you had to design a boat like this, how would you do it? And they thought, well, maybe Noah put this big type of thing up here, a sail. And then this thing, which is kind of reverse of all the ships today, would be like a rudder. Now, all the studies that they did said that this was very stable, and that pointed into the wind. And that enabled it to stay and ride the waves, because if it gets side onto the waves, that's a very bad thing. It'll knock the ship over. I'd love to test that and see if it was true, but unfortunately, this has a hole in the bottom, really big, so I can't, sorry. Um, So when they were thinking about this, they really weren't too sure. And so they played with a lot of different types and and thoughts, and they actually did tests in the water. It's very cool to watch. And they came up with a design similar to this. Now the issue is, it floats. It was built by intelligent people. So the Bible, we look at this, it is possible. And we see the truth in that. But the truth comes when, can it do its job? Could all the animals fit? Here's where it gets interesting. I got eight minutes. We're good. We could do this. All right. So right here, it is, let's do some math, okay? I got my math people here. I got my math. Okay, you ready? You got to check my math. 510 feet long, 51 feet high, 85 feet wide. Now you have to take off 15% for the curvature of the hull. Okay? You guys all doing that math in your head? Anybody got an answer yet? 
it would equal 1.88 million cubic feet. That's a lot of space. And it would be about as big or hold about as much stuff as 450 semi-trailers. That's big. It starts to give rise to when we look at it and the reality of it. And we start to think it through. Now, what about all these things? There are 1.8, as of a 2014 study, 1.8 million documented species. That's a lot of animals. But the nice thing about that is 98% of those are fish, invertebrates, non-animal type of things. So that knocks the number down to 34,000 species. But unfortunately, the word species in the scientific community is very vague. We're not real too sure about that and how it relates to how the Bible talks about that. The Bible, if you look in verse... Uh, let's start... Verse 19. And every sort of living and of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark and keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female of the birds according to their kinds. The Bible loves that words according to their kinds. How do they define that? Um, the, I also had a hard time nailing that down, but basically the best definition I could come up with is when two animals can have a baby have offspring, then those are of the same kind. Now think about this. Would he needed to have bring, brung every dog, every type of dog? Schnauzer, Beagle, Greyhound, those really big Marmaduke dogs, I don't know their names, you know? No. All dogs came from what? Anybody know? Yell it out. What did dogs come from? I think I heard it, wolves. Yeah, genetically, they're all related to the wolf. The wolf had all the DNA for all these different dogs. All the different types of chickens. Yeah, you just needed two of the right kind. And so that starts to narrow it down because it doesn't, you don't have to bring every kind of horse. You're not bringing donkeys and, and, and all those. You just have to bring one set. And so that kind of nailed it, narrowed it down. Now, if you want to study this more, I've got some great articles on this that I would love to give you that go through an entire thing from a biblical perspective. And I just, you know, you're going to need, this is going to be tough. You better have your dictionary handy because it took me quite a while to wade through it. But basically, they were able to narrow it down conservatively to 1,400 kinds, about seven-ish thousand animals. And they actually were, on every chance, they were more. They said, okay, we're going to make it, you know, they always went with the plus side of the equation. They didn't try to cheat to make it smaller. And of those animals... they probably took juvenile animals, and that helped them fit on there. Why? Juvenile animals took up less space, they produce less waste, they eat less food, they're more resilient, and they have more time to reproduce after the whole ark trip is over. Do we know if the Lord, during the trip, 
Put them in a state of hibernation? No, we don't know. We're not told that. But a lot of people have theorized that. So even accounting for big animals and dinosaurs, yes, there were probably dinosaurs on the ark unless they had, you know, well, we know they didn't go extinct because of the fossils. So there were dinosaurs on the ark at that time. But you're not going to take a full-size T-Rex. That would ruin your day real quick in a hurry. But even if you account for all animals, the big ones, the elephants, the big dinosaurs, the average size, I think was, let me see, about 22 pounds, about the average size of a beagle. And then they went and they, put, they designed it, and they looked at the ark, and they said, if I put each you know, animal in their own pen, to put the ones together that aren't going to eat each other, that kind of stuff, because that would be bad. And they spaced everything out using computers. And they found out they'd had just enough room for all these animals and their food on the ark. Isn't it nice that science confirms what we already know to be true? Hebrews 11.7 tells us, By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, if reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household, and by this he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. God told him to build an ark, and he said, okay. How big? God gave him the dimensions, and he went and did it. He got it done. Whether he himself did it or he hired crews to get it, he got it done out of faith. At a time when the world was as evil, and, and they had a lot of time to get evil, folks. Noah did something completely outside of the box, because he was told to do that. And that entire population, however many millions of them, were wiped out. Except for Noah, because of his faith and his family. There was preparation that was made for a bad time. He built, and he worked. And he prepared his family, himself, for what was coming. In 2 Peter 3.14, Peter says, Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which are ignorant, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do the other scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus, Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. He's warning. This is what they call, they have it listed in the little title that they put in there. Final words. How much, how true are those for today? We have so many things that are going on in this world that are telling us that everything but Christ is truth. They make 
fun of everything that we are about, but we know the truth, much like when Noah prepared down there. How do we toughen ourselves up? How do we strengthen ourselves and prepare for the time that we know is coming? Because ladies and gentlemen, I hate to break it to you, and I know this is, you know, kind of being a downer. This ain't going to get better. Think about what you went through as a kid. Everybody here. Did you have to deal with the cell phone and all the trash on the internet? No. And look how messed up we are sometimes. Think about our kids. Our kids are getting 24-7 pounding by the world to conform to something that is not the Bible. They are telling them that they don't need a savior. They need a 12-step program of some kind or they need to do this, or they need to eat that, or they need to drink that, and then everything will be all right. They need more of the excesses, and everything will be cool. They are getting this message morning, noon, and night, and they are eating it up. Why? Because we're not talking to them. We are silent. If nobody else is talking to them, how will they know? We are one of the most educated churches I have ever been at in my life. Are we talking to our children? Are we taking those opportunities? First off, if you're a parent in here, The whole world is talking to your children 24-7. How many hours is the church talking to them? If I'm lucky, when I'm in there with children's church, I get 45 minutes, sometimes maybe an hour, to talk to your children about Christ. I hope you're doing it at home as well. We have Sunday school, one of the smallest attended groups that we have. That should be our biggest group. Why? Our children are learning about the Bible, the one thing that they can use to defend themselves in this world. What did Jesus use when he was being attacked? What did he use? Scripture. Are we teaching our children this? Are we talking? Are we speaking into their lives, showing them how to defend themselves from the times that are here and the worst times, folks, that are coming? Parents, please bring your kids. Please talk to your kids. Please invest in their lives. Get people of godly knowledge. If you don't know enough about the Bible, A, be here and learn. And B, get somebody who can teach them. Grandparents, this does not let you off the hook. You can get them here as well. You can speak into their lives as well. You can share with them about Christ as well. You can train them up in the way that they should go. So when they are old, they will not depart from it. Those of you who are not parents right now, we have opportunities galore for you to speak into some young person's life. I know we need high school leaders, pretty sure. I know that we need people to sit in the nursery and hold a baby. 
We can always use people in tiny tots and all the other ministries. What are you doing? How are we speaking into their lives? You may say, oh, that's not my gift. I can't do that. I used to think that too. Until the Lord smacked me upside the head and said, go start preaching. Lord, I can't do that. Those people are scary. And he made me do it, and he gave me the strength to do it. He gave me the wisdom to do it. It isn't me. It is totally him. If you'd have seen me in the first few times I'm preaching, those poor people. Are you using this time to speak into the lives of our children? Are you preparing yourself for this time? And I'm speaking especially to those who don't know, have never made a decision to accept Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. A lot of what we're talking about is going to be a mystery to you. Because you do not understand the message of Jesus Christ. And that he died on a cross for our sins. And that it isn't some story, but it is the foundation of our lives. It is the only thing because someday when we die, we will stand before Jesus and he will look at us and say, either well done, my good and faithful servant, or depart. I don't know you. There is an end to time, folks, and it's coming. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you have never made a choice to follow him. Today is that day. I beg you. Come talk to me. Pull me aside. Talk to somebody that you trust and understand. Have them explain to you how today you can be saved. When we start to think about what has been done by men of faith, a man of faith, and we see the other things, and we look at the Bible, and we start to understand that it's true, then we start to understand the power that comes from Jesus. And we start to understand that whole story, and then the lies of the world bounce off. We are tough, we are strong in the Lord. Let's pray. Father in heaven, We love hearing about Noah. It is one of the favorite Bible stories that is out there for most people. We thank you that you shared this with us and that we can look at the faith that Noah had to go against everything that was around him and to follow you and to be a faithful man. I would ask the Lord, that you would build in us, that you would strengthen us, that you would give us a desire to speak into people's lives, whether they be young or old, Christian or non-Christian, that you would just move us to be involved, that you would move our hearts to be doing something, that we would not just be sitting and warming a pew, Lord, 
that you would make it so that we are just hopping to do something, to share Christ with those in need, to share love, to teach those that don't know, to strengthen the Christian's faith, Lord. I ask, Lord, in a very special way today, and I beg you, Lord, that you would move in hearts. If there is somebody here that does not know you, they have never made a decision to follow you, that today, that this morning would be the time and the hour of their salvation, that when they face you someday, you will look at them and utter those wonderful words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But I thank you for what you have done and for what you are going to do. I ask all these things in Jesus' precious name.